0: Well good morning everybody. Good morning, good 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 to see you. Um, We are starting a new teaching series this morning. You may have noticed the, the card on your chairs with the Nicene Creed. We're going to be looking at that together. Why don't we just pray. I really want God to continue to speak to us. Father thank you for what you've started saying this morning already. Thank you that you're a God who we can we can come to and confidently say we will receive mercy from you. now speak to us Lord. We open our hearts to hear what you have to say. Amen. Amen. You and I are not islands. All of us are connected to one another. Um, Everything that you and I we think and we believe we we do so really because of our past and our people that we're connected to Um, and for the next few months we're going to be looking at this Nicene Creed written in the year 325 AD and then clarified and edited in the year 380-odd something. Everything that uh, the Christians think and believe is contained in this document. And if you're new to Christianity or you're exploring faith, and I know there's a number of people who are among us for that's true, it's going to hopefully be useful for you to find out exactly what it is of the core foundational fundamental beliefs of Christianity. Every Christian church signs up to this document. They may express it differently they may disagree with one another over key ways that it is worked out in our lives and on a range of other important issues but every Christian whether Eastern Orthodox or Roman Catholic or Protestant or Ethiopian um, Orthodox they would all ascribe to this and it's useful for us if you're a Christian already to engage with this because It's important, I think, for us to line ourselves up with and see ourselves as part of the historical and traditional and global people of God, the Christian people. You see, we are, by nature as human beings, and particularly in the Protestant church, the uh, churches like ours, we're very good at creating tribes and silos and excluding everybody else from our club and saying we are the only proper church and everybody else is somehow uh, wrong or heretical. And so it's good for us instead to try to draw a circle big enough that we can include as many of our brothers and sisters as possible. One count puts the number of Christian denominations in the several thousands. Uh, there's that many different groups out there all claiming to be the one true perfect church. Well actually every Christian church acknowledges the Nicene Creed and if it doesn't then it isn't a Christian church whatever they may call themselves so there'll be cults and sects within our country that we would say aren't christian and the reason they're not christian is because they wouldn't ascribe to or believe in this so nice, so the nicene creed unites the church and we stand in its tradition um ross have you ever been to sea world or like, no, in, in SeaWorld and like water resort parks, they always have like a splash zone at the front. Uh, this is going to be like the crash zone because going to play with this. So I'm going to give you a little shield to protect yourself because I know you're pretty frail. John, you don't need a shield. <laughs> the Nicene Creed forms, forms the foundational bricks of what it is that Christians believe. And you can, you can mess around with some bricks of Christian faith and they can be moved. Oh, like this one. There we go. Some ideas and some practices that people hold to, they get played around with and build towers from. But as soon as you mess around with any of the the things contained in this, we believe in one God, the Father and Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and all that is. As soon as you mess around with any of them, it affects the whole structure. You take out any of them, the divinity of Christ. Glad you had that shield now, aren't you? Then the whole structure comes tumbling down. And as a church, we sometimes, we talk, in terms of what we believe, we we find it helpful to think in terms of pencil, ink, and blood, that there are some things that we believe, and they're written in pencil. We believe them, we think they're true, but Christian brothers and sisters disagree about them, and they're not core, they're not fundamental or foundational to Christianity. Uh, a, A pencil belief might be things in this room that a whole range of us would disagree on. The age of the earth, or what the Bible says about Uh, origins or the end times when the universe is going to be transformed or the earth's going to be transformed into something else across this room there'd be a range of different beliefs on that and christians would read what the bible says about those things differently whether someone when they get baptized whether they need to be sprinkled with water or dunked in a big tank of water christians would disagree about that and those things are written perhaps in pencil important we believe in them but across my lifetime across our lifetimes there might be areas of Christian thought that you would change what you think about and it's not going to affect the whole house of your belief system because it's written in pencil and then there are other things that are written in ink Um, and quite literally many people have tattoos in fact I noticed Claire have you got a new tattoo she's like I love you Jesus I'm like oh it's a new tattoo something some things are written in ink and when things are written in ink they can't be changed or they can but it's very difficult to change them things that we believe very strongly and hold very dearly you could join a church that disagrees with you on a range of pencil issues and still feel a part of that church and, and have very little problems. doesn't matter if you disagree about those things. But if if in, you're in a church where things that you have written in ink that mean a lot to you and you, the church that you're a part of doesn't hold those things, you're going to feel a tension. You're going to not necessarily fit too easily there. Things that are written in ink for us would, would be things like uh, the gifts of God given to the church. We believe that every gift of God that's given in the, that you see in the New Testament applies to the church today. That when Paul says you should eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, we believe gifts like prophecy and gifts of healing apply today. Not every church does, but we do. Uh, we believe that in order to to become, a me- uh, to become a member of the Christian community, uh, you must get baptized. And we, we would say you need to be baptized as an adult in water, as an expression of your faith. Well, for us, that's written in ink. We know other brothers and sisters disagree with us on that, and they're still Christians. But for us, it's quite important. And so we would, we would preach that, and we would continue to tell people about that. It's written in ink. And then there are other things that are written in blood. And for us, And for every Christian, really, the things that are written in blood are the things on this card. If you don't believe in any of these things, then, as I said, you're not a Christian, whatever else you may be. None of us are islands. We're all connected to one another. And the way that we think about history matters here as well, because often the way that we're taught history in schools is that we're taught to examine different periods of history as though they are isolated from one another. So at school, in, in when you're a seven, you study the Romans, and you examine the Roman period for a long time. And then you study the Vikings, and you examine them. And, and we do that a bit. We talk about the 60s, and then we talk about, all oh, the, the decade of the 70s, and we talk about how bad the music was of the 80s, and, and the fashion sense, and, and the 90s. We isolate history into different pools of thought or ideas. Because actually, history is one long river, And we all inherit the ideas that are handed down to us from previous generations or the society that we're born into. It's not necessarily a new idea, but when we're thinking about history and who we are as the church, it matters what we're swimming downstream from. Several years ago, when when Amy and I first got married, we went to India for our honeymoon. It was very exciting. And as part of the romantic experience, we got to go on a jungle book experience. And part of that was swimming with elephants. They didn't, elephant, elephants don't swim. They, we swim. They stand. And they, it was very fun. Um, until we were swimming downstream from the elephant and noticed this just ginormous like poo just floating <laughs> past us. And we were just swimming there going, oh, we're swimming downstream from an elephant. And so you inherit what the elephant passes on to you. And so it is in the church, so it is in your families and in society, we inherit what people pass down to us. So we want to go right up to the top of the stream and go, what is it that Christians think and why? The Bible story is that humanity, the human race, is drifting or drowning, separated from God, and that God has thrown into the river of human history a life buoy to be grabbed hold of and to find salvation. Those that life boys summed up in the, in the bricks of the Nicene Creed, as things that are foundational and fundamental for us to be rescued. And this morning I want us to, to look at just the first two words of this creed. It says here: we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty. And I want to just think about and spend some time talking about those first two words. We believe. Every time we read this, or rec- as we're going to over this next few months, recite this together, we are aligning ourselves with others. And we are saying we collectively believe this. And as we do that, it is an act that is both countercultural and it's an act that requires humility. It requires us to say, "I am going to submit myself to and receive this thing that's been handed down to me, and declare that we believe." Our current way of thinking in, in society, is uh, is perhaps best expressed and summed up in this uh, this friendship bracelet I came across on the beads there, which I find it quite ironic that it's a friendship bracelet, and it, and it says "Just be you," which I think it's amusing. <laughs> Friendship isn't really about just being yourself, is it? It's about partnering with someone else. Um, but that's another point. <laughs> friendship used to, be, used to mean companionship, which is a word that means to share bread with someone. Pa- uh, panini in there, Compa- companionship, to share bread with. But now a friendship bracelet can be expressed with just be you. Well, that idea, just be you, communicates what is almost a central doctrine in our society. Almost the most important thing that people are indoctrinated with from a young age is just be yourself. Try as best you can to make reality conform to you and to your wishes. Don't do what others tell you or others think of you. And that ex- is, uh, expresses itself from, in everything, from our clothing to our hairstyles to our houses to our cars to our holidays, to our, even to our children's names. Express yourself through your children. In fact, we even saw it this past week with um, Meghan and Harry's choice of name for the royal baby. They have broken with tradition in order to express themselves slightly differently because they're not constrained by tradition. They've thrown it off. In fact, this, this idea has also shown itself in, in the way people dance in our society. So it used to be 100 years ago, dances were, were corporate gatherings where people would conform to the patterns of the dance together and move as one unit and you know, organize steps that people would learn from childhood. And I mean, we've all seen Pride and Prejudice. I say we've all seen Pride and Prejudice. Like, I had a sister, that's my excuse. We've all seen Pride and Prejudice growing up. So we observed the dances that they did. These days, dancing is expressed individually in a nightclub, in the dark, on your own, throwing as many creative shapes as you can to try to best express yourself. And and the case is put out there that the more alcohol you have, the more self-expression you have, and the more shapes you can throw on the dance floor. But it's a a shift in how people have expressed themselves in community, from being a community-oriented society to being a society obsessed with individual expression or self-expression. I mentioned the dancing thing I would say it it is slightly different in the church my my experience when I um, became a believer at university and and used to go night clubbing and then I'd go clubbing with people from the church and it was a fascinating experience because Christians are there's something about what we do and who we are that means that we're community oriented or, or, or minded a bit more and so it was, it was awkward, but try as they might, they couldn't help it. Christians form circles everywhere they go. Have you noticed that? Because they don't want people to feel left out. And so even in, even in clubs when people are dancing, you could spot where the people from the church were because without even communicating, they would create a circle. And so there'd just be this circle and then some bright spark would get pushed into the middle and have to dance in the circle. Anyway, not really a point, just an observation. <laughs> Given that, the obsession with self-expression the question comes how how can we confidently know things about the world know things about ultimate reality and I would suggest we start by being confident in what we know by doubting the doctrine of just being you it's not enough to just be you in fact you are not just yourself you are formed by people and we've all sung that song this is me uh, you know from The Greatest Showman and I don't, no one knows the, many of the lyrics so they all go uh, 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 this is me and then it goes quiet uh, 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 this is me and people are very excited this is me which is lovely but at some point we have to ask but is me going to conform to we is there going to be any community or is it just this is me like it or lump it this is who I am and sometimes I think we do need to hear like a mother to a child that's lovely dear But is me going to come and be part of we? Are you going to come and play with us? The world is objectively there and try as we might to change it, to conform it to how we might think and want it to be. We as a church and as individuals need to learn to find ourselves not just enamored with self, this is me, but instead learning to find ourselves as part of a people where we can say this is we. This is who we are. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty. And to help us with this, I, I want to illustrate how I think the Bible understands the human race, is that it categorizes it not as a, as a load of separate individuals who are unique, perfectly formed snowflakes, who can do whatever they want, who can sing this is me to their heart's content. Instead, the Bible I, instead sees people as belonging to a, a collective, the, the collective of the human race and what that means for us. And so I'm going to need some people to help me with this. And I need someone to, I need to do my shoelace up. Do you mind if I just, sorry about this. I need someone to represent um, like sinful, wretched humanity. Um, Martin, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. we all knew that was coming. If you could just come and stand there. Because the Bible, the Bible pictures us as being born in a particular um, people group. That we're born, as human beings, we're described as being those who are in Adam. Adam being our representative head. So if you could hold that for me. You are in Adam. When you're born in the human race, you're, you're born into a people who are separate from God. You're born into Adam. And the Bible says this, if we put the next slide up. It says, as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And so we need someone who can represent Jesus for us. Uh, Matt, um, an odd choice, I know. But if you could come and join us up here. Um, Thanks, if you could be that. And uh, a common mass of humanity. Let's have John and Ross and Polly. If you could come and stand behind Martin for us, please. If you could separate yourselves. Matt just said, I'm often asked to portray Jesus. Um, That's not quite true, his wife would say. Um, the Bible says yes that when we're born we're born into Adam but at some point in a person's life when they when they make a decision to put their trust and hope in Jesus they are transformed from Adam into Christ and they move from no longer being described as being in Adam now you can stay there you haven't moved you're still in Adam I haven't told you to move just Polly honestly no one gave you permission or you will sit back down right they move from Adam to Christ another way that the Bible presents this dynamic is it, it says in Isaiah 53 this next slide it says all we the human race like sheep have gone astray we've turned each one to his own way every human being is in Adam and as such in Adam they are straying like sheep but when you put your trust in Christ Um, Not when you sort your life out and become a good person. No, when you put your hope in Jesus, what happens is this in 1 Peter, it says, You were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So, John, you can now move, because when you put your hope in Christ, you return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So, the Bible already says this is who you are. You're either in Adam, you're either straying like sheep, or you're in Christ, you've returned to the shepherd. Well, another way that it puts it is that the human race is born into many different people groups. Uh, every different nation and clan with its different king and leader that it identifies. And the Bible says that you weren't, once you were not a common people. You were instead many different people made up of all different backgrounds and races and life stages and nations. But again, when you put your hope in Jesus, it says this. Next slide. It says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That the Christian is one who can say, I'm part of the people of God. So we're born with this identity, but over time, as we put our faith in Jesus, we transfer to this identity. And lastly, you notice this, this theme of common identity occurs a lot through the Bible. Firstly, it says that we are, we are born as those who worship created things. In Romans chapter 1, it says about the human race, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who's blessed forever. The human being's natural condition is to worship the creation, to look to this earth and to treat some parts of it as God to treat some parts of it as being able to save us and deliver us and rescue us. And in the ancient world, they bowed down to physical statues, but those statues were just embodiments of deeper desires that all of us still have. So people bow down to and worship nation states. They call themselves patriotic. What they really mean is idolater because this nation is who I identify with. I'm English. I'm African or, or Kenyan. Or This is who I am. I identify with them and they are going to be my people. They will rescue me. Or we worship perhaps our careers and think if I work hard enough, if I make enough money, then I will feel validated. I will feel significant. And we look to our jobs, our spouses, our kids, all different things to provide what we so desperately need. In that sense, in Adam, we are those who have many gods. A God is just something we devote ourselves to. But in Christ, what happens is we transferred from that, and Jesus teaches us to pray instead like this, our Father in heaven. When you become a Christian, you're no longer one who worships many gods. You're one who joins yourself with the people, and you say, our Father. And you notice, actually, as as I mentioned, not just the creed, but many confessional statements of the church are done in the plural form or the collective form. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, often, my Father in heaven. No, Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Give us today our daily bread, he says. And lastly, in the world, perhaps it, maybe it's just our postmodern age, but we're told you can believe whatever. But when we come to Christ, we can embrace the confessional statement of the Creed and say, We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty. And so this transfer takes place from being not just in Adam, not just straying like sheep, uh, not just worshipping many gods, not being many people, not believing whatever, but becoming those people now who are no longer just individuals floating around and bumping into each other and hoping that even our friendships can be treated as things to give me validation and give me a, a feeling of importance. Instead, we come into a people group. We're in Christ with those who believe in our Father there's a collective identity. And Ross, I feel bad for you because you're the only one who's left in Adam. But this is the, this, and what I would hate for anyone to think is that this, the, the distinction between this and this has got nothing to do with goodness, virtue, being a moral person. These people are not wiser, cleverer, are you? smarter, more beautiful, um, stronger than these people. That is not what that's not what it's not the requirement for being here. No, the only thing that causes us to be not here but here is the completed work of Jesus. And when an individual reaches out and says, "Jesus, I trust in you and I ask you to rescue me. I put my hope in you." Then you transfer from there to there. Well done, you can sit back down. Should we give them a hand? Yes. Yes. I think so. In the film Gravity, uh, Sandra Bullock is floating around in space um, for 90 minutes and there's a moment where she's in a a spacecraft and she's trying desperately to make contact with Earth. She's crackling through the radio, trying to communicate with someone. And then she gets some some static and then some speech. Someone on Earth is communicating. And for a moment in the film there's a, a surge of hope as she thinks, I'm being heard. As Christians, we believe that amongst the static of the noise of a broken humanity, God has spoken through the radio silence. We weren't looking for him. We did not initiate this. He came to us. He in Christ is the shepherd that brought back the straying sheep He in Christ became a life giving spirit so that those who were born into Adam can now receive life in his name. And we're going to respond this together this morning by watching a video of some people, some friends of ours, declaring the Nicene Creed. And then we're going to stand and use this as an opportunity to break bread and take juice, uh, take communion is an act of remembering we have been brought together individuals that though we are loved individually but brought together into the people of God so that we can now say we believe these are my people and I'm part of them we drink of one cup and one body and we celebrate Jesus's death one Lord one hope one baptism and that we though many are one in Christ let's watch this together